All right. Well, it's great uh, to be able to uh, greet each other and, and have a great time. Thank you, uh, the worship team, for those songs to really prepare our hearts there. Uh, last one is one of my favorites. And uh, as we're talking about preparing the way for Jesus, we're going to be talking today. We're going to look at Isaiah 40 and Mark chapter 1 and kind of a... A long time view before Jesus and then a time where that scripture was reused right before he came. And, uh, you know, as Jason said, the Advent is a, the arrival of an event or person, person or another way to think about it is something coming into view. And so as we're getting closer to Christmas, to be able to look forward to Jesus and remember him coming but also remembering that he is coming again and that we're looking forward to that and we're actually living our lives in anticipation of that happening. And that's why I love those songs that kind of make that clear. And the people of Israel were were waiting in the same way that we're waiting uh, for God to come down and save them, give them a better life. And rescue them from their, their, their time. And so in Isaiah chapter 40, you can turn there. This is a time when the people of Israel were actually getting out of captivity. So they were, God sent them away, as many of you know, because they turned away from Him and they had idols in their lives and things that came before God. And, and this was them coming back out. And sometimes when we're not in a right place, or we're not living the way we know we need to be living, we don't recognize that until afterwards, right? Have you ever been in that situation where you something bad happens and you get saved from it, and then afterwards you're like, oh man, I was was losing my mind, or I can't believe I got myself in that situation that we're not often humble before something bad happens. Sometimes we are, but... Israel wasn't, and then once they got sent away and brought back, then the light bulbs started going on, like, wow, we were far from God, and we turned away, and actually that was a turning point for them, where they never went into idolatry again after that difficult time, and so they're coming out just thinking about God, the God who's saving them or giving them a new path. And they start by saying, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And you get that flavor that they were suffering Not necessarily because of someone else, but they were suffering because of themselves. And it says that the Lord's hand had given them this double penalty for their sin, if you will. That they had this hard service and now as they were leaving, God was, they were recognizing God's comfort and Him tenderly speaking to them. You know, As you think about this time of year and and your times even praying to God, do you think of God as a tender father? You know, one that will take you in his arm and kind of walk with you and kind of help you out and kind of 
in my mind, just talk to you. Like, hey, let's, let's talk. You know, many of us, when we think about our fathers, they weren't exactly that. Right? Hey, let's talk. Let's, you know, let's have an ice cream and let's talk about what's going on. It was a lot, a little different. So to recognize this tender father was a big deal and is a big deal for us. He continues, he said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And you get this picture of God calling out, just wanting people to hear and listen and understand. And I was thinking this week about making straight this highway in the desert. And we can relate to being in the desert, right? <laughs> See, they weren't just in a desert. They were in a spiritual desert. They weren't just in a place without water. They were in a place without God. They were in a place where they were separate from their place of worship. They were separate from their land that they were been tied to for years. You know, it's that reference to coming out of Egypt and going through the desert to the promised land that he was leading him towards. And I got this picture of this, every mountain being low and every hill, every valley being raised up and just that idea of God. This is a picture of San Jacinto. And some, some of us have had the crazy idea of climbing this guy. But you think about, man, that's a long way. That's a difficult road. And God is just like lowering the mountains to make the road easy. Right? He's making it level. He's making it so we can all get through. Not just the ones that can climb this mountain, but everyone can get through. You know, this past week we had, or this couple weeks, many of you met my parents who were here. It was fun to hang out with them, and we went to dinner with the Richmonds here, visiting friends from uh, Orange County. And every day or so, we'd go on a walk around the neighborhood, and I never had this experience, but I'm like, okay, what is the easiest possible walk that we can do? You know, we usually take the dog and we go out the gate and we go through the sand out to the field. And I'm like, no, that that doesn't work. That's not going to happen. You know, if you go one, if you go right outside my door, then you go down this pretty steep hill. And I'm like, okay, that that's not bad, but the coming back is not going to work. So if you go left, it's just a slight incline. And I'm like, okay, I think we can handle that. And so we went out and. He told me that he went on a 15-minute walk or 30-minute walk. So I figured, okay, we'll, we'll go and we'll see how it goes. And I never had this experience with them as they're getting a little bit older. 
they still are really healthy. I'm grateful. They're, you know, 87, 85. So they're doing really good. I hope to be doing that at their age. But every once in a while, they kind of walk, and then they would just take like a jab step. And then they kind of come back, and they're not trying to fake anyone out. They're just trying to, they're just trying to like stay up. And so I'm, I'm like, well, should I be walking behind them? I don't know where, so in between them, you know, grab onto me or something. And, you know, I got this picture that God, he is walking with us and trying to make it as easy as possible sometimes. You know, this time he's making it as easy as possible and they just feel like, man, God is with us. He's making this highway that we can go home. And it also gave me vision that when the mountains are not in the way that you can see God, you can see straight ahead. You know, there was a time when they were not able to see right. They weren't able to see God or hear him. And sometimes when we look, we don't see. There's things that get in the way and you just get that picture of God just making it easy to see his glory. You know, in verse 6, he continues, and he says, The voice says, Cry out, and I say, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And you get visions of the angel appearing to Mary and saying that no word from the Lord will ever fall. That nothing is impossible for God. And yet he calls us grass four times and flowers. That we feel like we're so... Strong, and he's like, You're. It's just a blip. Our lives are here and gone. Our glory is here, and then it's gone. And then someday somebody's walking behind us because we can't quite get down the road. He's just reminding them of their. Their frailty, their, their weakness. But as they're going back, he says, you will bring good news to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. You will bring good news to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. And you get this vision of these people going back on this easy road to their homeland with good news. We're back. God let us go. God let us home. I love that picture of, he says, to go up on a high mountain and bring good news. And I was thinking about when you go up on a high mountain, it's not like there's anybody there. (laughs) 
When you go up on top, there's nothing there. There's nobody there, but there, you get that flavor of just bringing your praise to God because he's brought you back. Go up on a high mountain and just praise the Lord that he has brought you home. He said, then go to your to Jerusalem and to Judah, all the little towns, and tell them that your God is home. Your God has brought you back. And there was that little line, he says, see, his reward is with him. His recompense accompanies him. And I was looking at that word a few times and I didn't quite, it didn't quite do much for me. His recompense accompanies him. Got, got that? A lot of blank stares. It says, yes, that that, that means to make amends, to pay you back for what was lost. If you total a car, you get, they make recompense. They give you the money. So in, in this way, God is paying them back for their suffering. He's paying them back for their punishment, for their double portion even. Saying, you know what? You suffered, but I noticed. And now you're back. That God wants to bless us and give us a reward. That we don't suffer for nothing. Jesus didn't just say, oh, I'm going to go to the cross. Isn't that going to be great? I'm going to carry people's suffering in this life. That he carried it because he wanted to be with us in our suffering and be able to celebrate with us in our triumph. In his triumph. In verse 11 I know this was one of my, Danielle's favorites uh, with little kids, when we had little kids. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And you get the idea of God just grabbing the hand of the kids as they're going back home. As they are trying to make it down the road. It's not easy, is it, to get down the road sometimes. If you have little kids, God is lifting you up. He's giving you strength even when you want to pull your hair out and you're losing your mind and you're not the same. I remember coming with our young kids and just being like, "Is there? why am I even here? I can't even pay attention. It's just like if I get like five minutes, I'm, that, that's good. <laughs> You know, that God knows our situation, that he leads us gently as they were going back home. And we're going to see this passage there, this voice of one in the desert is going to show up again in Mark chapter 1. Turn over there. In Mark chapter 1, he starts out and he continues this same idea of these people being brought out of captivity, being brought out of their sin, being brought out of this country that they were occupied. That's what people were hoping for, kind of the same thing that happened before. said, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
And he doesn't really introduce them. He just says, hey, this is Jesus. It kind of reminds you of Genesis 1 where he just says, in the beginning, God created the world. That he just says, in the beginning, Jesus, the Son of God, came to you. Not much of an introduction, but he just calls it as it is. He says, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And here he says he's quoting uh, the prophet Isaiah, but he's also quoting Malachi too. He kind of puts them together there. When you look at it, it looks like it's all the same, but it's not. So he's sending this message and kind of maybe marking the place of where he's starting. You know, with them coming out of captivity and mentioning this, preparing the way for Jesus. And it wasn't a way for people to go back home, but it was a way for people to get it that he was coming. You know, he calls them, he said, I'll send a messenger ahead of you to prepare the way. That's from Malachi. At a time when they needed to be called out again from a bad place. He brought them out. They went back. And guess what? They got in the same situation that they got in before. And so he... Did I read that yet? Okay, good. I forgot. <laughs> it's good to know. So in Malachi, the part that he's, he, like I mentioned, he's not just quoting the verse, but he's referencing this time. He's not just pulling in this sentence. He's basically saying, hey, you guys are in the same place that you were then. And his... Malachi's, you know, verse, it says that I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me in verse 1 of Malachi 3. Then suddenly the Lord who you are seeking will come into his temple. The messenger of his covenant whom you desire will come. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purif purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former Years, And so now he's not coming to comfort the people. When you look at John's message, he wasn't wanting to grab you by the hand and have an ice cream and tell you where you were needed to kind of fix it up a little bit. He came with a rebuke. He came with a challenge. He came with a message. He came to as a refiner's fire. 
He came as launderer's soap. He came to clean up Israel. And sometimes we want the comfort and we want the the hand that will kind of guide us along, but he, we don't get that all the time. Sometimes we get the refiner's fire. And we can fight that and we can be like, wait, I want that guy, not this guy. And yet when he came to call them out, what was the story with Malachi that was so similar People were bringing defiled offerings to the Lord's table. They weren't giving their best to God. They were just throwing something his way. It was kind of like the scraps. Here you go, God. You get the, I don't really want this, so you can have it. They were saying that the, the Lord's table was a burden. Like, oh, I don't, I don't really like this. I don't really want to do this, God. I don't really want to serve you. I think we've all been in that place where we felt like, man, I don't know about this. This is hard. I'm not really feeling it. That they had stopped honoring his name and standing in awe of God. They broke their covenant with God and they broke their covenant with their spouses. And that's the sense when God says, I will send my messenger before you. Who can withstand his coming? And they broke their covenant in their tithes and offerings too. And he challenged them to test me and see if I won't bless you. And then at the very end, he says, I'll bring you back with compassion. I will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the children to their parents. And that's really what John was, the, I mean, yeah, John the Baptist was there to do. To call people back, to bring a fire, to call people back to doing what's right and loving one another. When you look at Jesus' time, just one after the next. Hatred, racism, judgment, you're not clean, you're not good enough, you're not like us. I mean, just so much. And guess who it was coming from? The, the priests, the religious people. And John came to turn that upside down. Sounds a little familiar. It says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You get this idea that these mountains were being removed and they could finally see God again. And they're like, man, what have we done? We need to get back. We need to get our hearts right. We need to be more innocent and faithful. We need to get rid of these things that are getting in the way. We need to start honoring God. And it was interesting, hanging out with my son here recently. I was going to share this story last week, but I forgot, so I'll share it today. And we got to hang out for a while, and he's been just like 
he, you know, many of you, some of you know, but he was in this car accident and he, he kind of miraculously walked away from a totaled car that flipped like three or four times. And, and ever since then, I mean, he's been just like on fire for Jesus. And his friend got baptized, and he's got this group of like 40 people at his campus, and they're having us pray for all these people that they want to start coming to church. And and as he was talking, I was just like, wow. You know, kind of like that song, like, how long? How long ago was that for me? And just to have a pure faith and he's not cynical and he's not but this and but that and oh I've seen this and I've seen that and I just like man I just need to be He wasn't really saying anything to me but it was like a rebuke. <laughs> that made it even worse, right? When they don't even say anything and just like Yeah, I just make it so complex complicated and so cynical and I'm like, man, that's that's a message. You know, so John was preaching and they got the message. They're like, man, I got to get back to that. I got to get my heart back to God. Just have a, some innocence in, about my faith. Not be cynical. It says the whole Judean, everybody was coming out to him and said he wore a, Clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And I always thought, man, that's a weird thing to put in there. <laughs> why? Why? What does that do for me? Nothing, right? Does it do anything for you? It just reminds them that this is like the, the prophets of old. Malachi said that we're supposed to be looking for Elijah, and guess what he looks like, Elijah? Guess what he sounds like? A prophet. This wild prophet that has the words of God. I'm sure they weren't like, I don't think we would have liked his preaching. If I would have preached maybe what he did, I don't think anyone would really be like, oh, that was a great message. They'd be like, man, what is wrong with this guy? Does he hate us? No, they weren't listening. And God was using him and they were coming back. And look at his message. It says his message was this, after me. Oh, here we go. Thank you, Richard. After me the one uh, comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. You get that picture. I thought it was cool that it rhymed too. But you get that picture of him as a servant. He's like, you know, I, I'm not even worthy to be the servant to him. I can't even... I'm not even, my help is not even good enough compared to how amazing he is. Sounds like grass. I'm just a piece of grass. I'm a flower. I'm nothing. 
compared to him. He says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Like, this is nothing compared to that. That's why I'm here, so he can be in you, not just around you, he can be in you. That was God's plan from the very beginning, is to walk with us. And so he's preparing the garden, if you will, so that God could come down and walk with them in the cool of the day. That's what we look forward to. That's what we celebrate with Jesus coming down, that he's coming down to walk with us. That he wants to be in us and lead us. That's what Christmas is. The Holy Spirit in us. And then looking forward to that being reunited again. So, as we take communion here, you know, Mark starts the book and says that this is Jesus, the Son of God. And this is kind of like the other end of that, that sentence, at, almost at the end of the book in Mark 15. And we'll, we'll read this as we take communion. He says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The temple of the curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. And so even on a mountain, Jesus was lowering a mountain to help this man to see who he was. That he was still calling out to his people. That he was still proclaiming comfort. He was still wanting to tenderly lead them even in death. And so as we take communion today, think about the mountains that may be in our way. What would God try to prepare? How is he preparing your heart to see Jesus? To be with him? What needs to be taken out of the way? How is he leading you along? And let that inspire us to want to repent and to want to clean out and get ready. And Like, my, like what I say, said about myself, just having a pure heart and not being so cynical and just being open. I'm not sure what that is for you, but let's think about that as we take our communion today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time to come before you, to uh, recognize your coming, to look back and just imagine the, the miracle of you coming down to this world. 
that you walked with us, that you suffered with us, that you uh, have come to bring our reward and our recompense, that you want to lift us up. I pray that you, uh, we can get the things out of our lives that get in the way, that you came to bring forgiveness and bring light. Uh, thank you for Jesus, his body and his blood, that even to the very end, that help us to see you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.